0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I love talking about food. I really do. You know, one of the best things about uh, the talk radio world is when food turns into recipe conversations. I wish we had time to do that today. We do not, uh, because everyone has the magic. Everyone has one magical recipe piece because we love our food. We really do truly love that secret uh, herb or spice that we put into something. We, had, we were speaking about rotisserie chickens and slow cooked chickens the other day uh, on the nighttime show on the shift overnight. And you know, one of the things that everyone was excited about was uh, injecting butter between the skin and the breast when you slow roast your chicken or your turkey. People get excited about food. Dr. Evan Fraser, director of the Errol Food Institute at the University of Guelph. We are excited about our food. We love our food. Plus, uh, Evan, there is this whole piece of the puzzle of uh, don't die today, which we need to have our nourishment too, isn't it?
1: That's right. Yeah. Hi. Nice Nice to chat with you.
0: Yeah. Uh, thanks for being here. Now, the reason why we bring this up is because of a couple of different things. Number one, food supply. Are we going to be okay? The biggest problem I have and worry about COVID is the impact of things down the road. I mean, we've done a good job managing the first four or five months of this when it comes to six months a year. Temporary foreign workers are not as eager to come across the border and move around, plus not as readily available, plus uh, restricted as well. Um, how are we doing inside our food chain, and are, is there anything on the horizon that is risky?
1: Oh gosh, well that's a super good question. So thanks. Um, first of all, you're right. You know the system has done remarkably well, keeping most Canadians fed most of the time, pretty much normally over the last four months. So I, I think I think we all sort of should say thank you to the grocery store clerks and the truckers and things like that. So I think I think it's remarkable. And 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 there's a big bunch of serious, very serious issues like the temporary foreign workers. There is a lot of cannabis produce, which is probably going to be wasted this year because there aren't farm workers uh, there to pick the blueberries or to harvest the asparagus or get the apples in. Um, And those are jobs, you know, about 60,000 people, largely from Latin America and the Caribbean, come to our country every year to do those sort of jobs. So you're right. Those people are are not here. uh, They're having challenges and and they're getting sick. I mean, the two... Two poor people from Mexico died died um, on, on Ontario farms about two weeks ago, so this is a very very serious issue and uh, and one that I am concerned about. Uh, I actually think it's more of a of an issue facing farmers who are experiencing lost incomes and raised costs. Uh, the foreign workers who are exposed to the diseases. Um, I have a feeling that well, at least for the next little while, the, the Canadian consumer will will probably continue to be reasonably protected from these things, unless of course, you're one of the people who's locked their jobs. And, and so we have seen food bank use go up remarkably since the beginning of the pandemic largely as a result of um, lost jobs and lost
0: wages and things like that. I might, uh, I I have to put on my dad hat for a second and say that there's an awful lot of students and young kids that could probably benefit if they're not going to be in classrooms from spending some time picking some fruit and vegetables as a job to be reminded what work looks like. But that could be be the harsh dad uh, coming out in me here. I think the story of potatoes in Canada is probably the most indicative of this. And I think we did a good job, or at least the industry did. It, food industry did a good job of making sure that people didn't have potatoes get interrupted. The reality was is that there was a glut because of the lack of French fries being cooked inside restaurants. So that one worked the other way, but it is a good example of the food supply is a very very delicate flow, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean. Just two, two quick comments in response to what you just said, Both of which I agree with. with Regarding your dad's comment, I agree. I've got uh, an unemployed teenager, two unemployed teenagers in our house, and um, would love for them to get a job on a farm. But it's actually not that simple. Uh, you know, my son, for instance, he's a trained lifeguard. He's not a trained strawberry picker. And I grew up on a strawberry farm, and I know that it's hard to pick strawberries. So I'm actually working sort of maybe for next summer to have training programs and connections made between high schools, universities, and farms. But that's not going to work for this year um, because it's not unskilled work. It's just differently skilled than our youth currently has. That's Mm. the first thing to say. Secondly, on potatoes, that's an interesting one because, you know, there were about 200 million pounds of potatoes went to waste in Canada because mostly when we eat potatoes in this country, it's as French fries in restaurants. And when the restaurant industry closed, we started wasting potatoes. So there was some big food waste issues as supply chains reorganized away from servicing retail and commercial venues to servicing uh, domestic buyers and um, and you're right that has been really hard to manage and it's some really weird things have emerged that have caused that waste. so for instance when restaurants buy eggs they typically buy a big flat of eggs when you or me buy an egg buy eggs we buy a dozen eggs and it was actually the one dozen carton um, packages which were limiting and caused eggs to be wasted because we didn't have enough single dozen cartons cart- wow. cart- cartons. Yeah, cuz we egg.
0: we stopped going to restaurants so we bought more eggs for ourselves.
1: Bingo. Interesting. And and, and then they were set up to sell big flats of eggs to restaurants, not dozen eggs.
0: To well, we went through that similarly with the hand sanitizer of the bottles and the pumps were the hard were one of the hardest parts of it.
1: So this is one of the weird things. It's the packaging which is proven to be in some instances one of the vulnerable links in the chain for us.
0: So interesting. Well, so here's the thing with apples and potatoes. I mean, apples and potatoes, for example, in some cases, can be stored for upwards of a year. Most people don't know that when you buy your apples, they weren't necessarily picked last week. Technology plus preservation plus some uh, genetics have allowed for apples to stick around longer. So that's why I'm worried that a year out, there might not be enough crop next year from the feed over the course of the winter that comes into our stores. Is that a concern?
1: producing a lot of food, and this country, this world of ours, actually has a lot of food, and the major problems of hunger are linked to pure, people being unable to afford to buy food, and that's a way bigger concern in terms of food security and keeping us all fed, and is there enough food? So in almost all product categories, the world produces a heck of a lot of food. Uh, maybe not quite as many fruits and vegetables as we'd like, but, but generally, we're not running out of food, and I don't see any sign of running out of food. But I am concerned about the food security implications because of the lost wages issue. So the United Nations has actually suggested that um, the number of acutely hungry people on the planet is likely to double. But that's not linked to a loss of food. That's linked to the economic consequences of the pandemic. And certainly I've been talking to folks in the food bank and the emergency food aid world, and they're seeing unprecedented uh, demand or increase in um, people coming to, to food banks across Canada. But again, the, the issue of hunger, I think, is way more acute when you're thinking of it in terms of people being able to go for food. And I'm not so concerned about major disruptions in the supply chain keeping our grocery stores filled.
0: Is there anything that are you you are concerned about?
1: Oh, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, from a farm income perspective and the poor farmers, I mean, that's a big one. And and one of the str- another strange one that we experienced this this summer or the spring was uh, as workers on the um, meatpacking industry tested positive for COVID, we actually, there's about a month-long period when about 75% of Canada's beef packaging packing capacity, so the slaughterhouses and the meatpacking, went, went went quiet, went dark, right? And they had to shut those plants for about yep. a month. Yep. And um, and that has caused a huge backlog back to the farmer where they had to reduce inventories. And it will take, you know, it takes years for beef inventories to build back up because the Cows are relatively slow slow growing animals. And once a farmer has sort of liquidated the young cows, it takes a while, right? So I, yeah. I, I think we'll see more expensive beef prices. And, and, and indeed, you know, over the last month or so, we've seen some in the US, in particular, some rationing or limiting of, of sales of beef to consumers.
0: Yeah, and not only that, the risk, too. If you're a farmer and you're not going to guarantee your return, um, it's not necessarily your responsibility to dive in onto a more risky venture yeah, if yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. going to pay off. I mean, I, I get that part, too. Dr. Evan Fraser, oh, Director of the Errol Food Institute at the University of Guelph. Thank you, sir, for the time. Very insightful.
1: Great. Thanks very much.
0: Have Bye a great now. weekend. Bye-bye. So the government, $900 million uh, passed out through the WE Foundation originally to help students volunteer and get paid, although at a discount. 10 bucks an hour roughly was the number. So I don't understand why the government isn't setting up programs that would allow for exactly what Dr. Evan Fraser is talking about. Retraining. There's an awful lot of labor in this country that can be retrained to work in the meantime. If the prices are going to go up anyway because of the fact that there's a shortage of something like there was of beef, why would it not be? that we could deal with higher prices on apples if it means that students get paid our minimum wages to do it, to go there and do that. Why are there not programs like that? Because I'm not worried about this fall. It's a year from now that's going to be really, really concerning on the food chain. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend.